Leaders, welcome to the Health Lead Her podcast. I'm your host, Ogoa Kwame, aka Coach Ogo. And this is a go-to podcast for multicultural women in health looking to grow and scale their health businesses and careers while improving their own health and building limitless wealth for themselves and their family. Are you frustrated with our current health system and wish there was a way you could do more for your community while making more in your business or career? Or maybe you're mission and vision driven, but you can't seem to figure out a consistent way to make enough money while fulfilling your dream to improve health disparities without having to work multiple jobs, working endless hours. Well, if this is you, you're in the right place. Press play and let's dive into today's episode. The Healthy Heart Podcast is sponsored by the Health Contract Bootcamp. All right, so today we're going to start off by thinking about when we were kids. And, you know, as children, we love to believe or we were taught to believe, or actually, I don't know if it was a teaching, but we grew up with this sense that it has to be fair. You're playing with your friends and the game has to be fair. We all have to start at the same starting block. We're running a race or we're playing tag or we're playing hide and seek. Whatever it is we're playing, the game has to be fair so that all of us have an equal chance of winning. And when it's not fair, guess who's complaining? Whoever is at the losing end. Like, hey, that wasn't fair. Then you go tell your mom, mom, Susan's not playing fair, or mom, Joe's not playing fair. Like, we complain because it's not fair. And then what what do the adults in our life say? Play fair, guys. That's not fair. We all have to share. We all have to start at the same starting block. Don't cheat, play fair. And I can't even be mad at the adults in our lives for telling us that things have to be fair or we need to play fair, but I I can be mad at them or I can express my disappointment. And especially, you know, I'm come from an African background and African culture where we want to make our kids think that things are going to be laid out for us. We're going to be able to start equally. There are no disadvantages. We all have the same level of opportunity. We all have the same level of of resources. And you know, you tell your kids this because you don't want them to feel like there's no there's no need in trying because sometimes when we think about how unfair things can be, we're like, what's the point? And you know, I sometimes, you know, we fall into a mindset, there's no point. Why try? And as kids, we wanted to believe things were fair. And then we grew up and we realized, man, (laughs) life is not fair. It never was from the get-go. It never was. And uh, many of us were born into very awful situations, awful circumstances, awful upbringings because we lacked a lot of the quintessentials. I'm an African immigrant. I came to America because we lacked a lot of things. And I thank God that we had the opportunity to come to America. But when we got here, um, we thought, (laughs) for those of you that have not sat down with your African friends and asked them (laughs) the perception of America before we came here, we literally thought the roads are paved with gold and you go to trees, shake the tree, 
and money falls down. And everybody in America lives a lovely life. Everything is available. Healthcare is amazing. You just get whatever you need. And that is a fallacy upon fallacy. And then I, I chuckle because I'm like, yo, we were, we were like indoctrinated into this thought process about America. And we can get into another conversation about why that view of America even existed. But the reality is that a lot of us are walking this life with a skewed perception of the true meaning of fairness. I think we need to strip that word down. What does it mean to be fair? And what does it mean to be equitable? Or what does it mean to be equal? I don't think life is fair. It never was and it never will be. There are groups of us who will always have an advantage. Genetically, for us who really did pay attention in biology class, there are those of us who are genetically more enhanced than others. We have IQs that far exceed the general population. We have gifts and talents and things that we are just able to naturally do because of our genetic makeup, the way our brain works, which side of the brain we over use or overemphasize, or we left brain, right brain, critically, analytical, creative, whatever. So life was never fair. So as children, why do we believe that it was going to be fair? As immigrants, why did we come here thinking, oh, I've got a fair shot at being successful? We came here with nothing, slept on the floor of other people's apartments. They didn't give us any money. We literally walked everywhere. We had to figure it out. We were at a disadvantage. But we were able to do things, take advantage of things, become very resourceful. And despite those disadvantages, despite those AKA disparities, economic disparities, we're able to now sit high and proud of our accomplishments. I am able to now say I am a health systems engineer. I am a government health contractor and I can literally transform the healthcare system with my thoughts and the programs I'm able to create. And that we had to fight for that. So now I want to tie this back to health. A lot of us really, really want to believe that when we come into this world, we have this clean slate to health. We can all live healthy lives. And the reality is no. There are systemic barriers that will prevent many of us from living as healthy a life as we would want to live. There are genetic barriers that will prevent many of us from living a healthy life. But despite these disparities, you can achieve higher levels of outcomes if you actually put forth the effort to be resilient and to push past these disparities. So let me tie that into the core goal of our conversation today. We want to talk about health disparities. We want to talk about the high rates of cardiovascular disease in our communities, the high rates of diabetes in our communities, the high rates of cancers in our communities, the high rates of uh, maternal mortality in our communities. And I'm throwing these out because I want you to realize that these are the hot button topics for our government. The number one skill 
write this down. The number one skill, if you are going to get into the government health contracting game, if you're going to succeed in the government health contracting game, if you're going to become a government health contractor that is highly paid and highly impactful, you have to adopt the skill of listening. You need to be able to listen to the signals, listen to the priorities that our government is setting or the things they are pursuing to fix and to address and use that as a signal for where you need to divert your attention, where you need to place your efforts and where you need to start building up programs for and looking for solutions for because that's what they're going to pay for. I'll give you a a clear example, COVID-19. Nobody was thinking about COVID-19 before 2020. Nobody. Maybe a few of us were like, we're hearing a little buzz, but nobody was really thinking about it. It hit, and guess what? We realized that there are so many communities who don't have the basic necessities to be able to scale through a COVID-19 type pandemic. And guess what happened? Immediate surge of government funding into COVID-19 into health preparedness, into emergency preparedness, into biosurveillance. I'm throwing these out because these are the things you need to pay attention to. All of a sudden, our government is spending millions, billions on PPE, personal protective equipment, right? They're spending millions and billions on health health disparity programs, health education programs. Here's something you might not even realize. All of those ads that you started seeing about COVID-19, social distancing, um, vaccinations, those ads were paid for. That's called public health communications, public health outreach. That is a subset of government health contracting that has so much money in it. (laughs) It's outstanding to me that we as health professionals are oblivious to where the money is at. Trillions of dollars were spent in this area just to get out the message about COVID-19. There were contracts that back this. There were companies winning these contracts who don't look like us, who don't have our shared experiences, who don't know what it means to live in the circumstances that we have witnessed, that we see in our communities every single day. But they made money. They made money. And I know a lot of you sat there watching these commercials, watching these outreach campaigns, watching these promotions. And in the back of your mind, you're like, that means nothing for my community. I could have done a better job of creating a message that would actually resonate with the people that I live with and the people that I'm around, what does that mean? For example, for me, I have an African background. I have a lot of immigrants in my community, my immediate community. When I see health promotions and campaigns, I'm like, this means nothing for an African who is just living his life trying to make money and just going about his business. What does it mean to be at increased risk, increased risk? Sorry, y'all y'all will hear my accent slip out every now and again. Give me some grace. English is not my first language, but it will slip out here and there. I'm forewarning you. But what does it mean to be at increased risk for diabetes that my because I'm of African disposition, 
then I am more likely to develop diabetes and cardiovascular disease. What does that mean to an African man who eats aqua every day? What does that mean to an African man that indulges in particular types of food? Because that is his cultural upbringing. Don't show me a diabetes commercial where it's like, reduce your sugar consumption. Don't eat candy. Most immigrants I know don't even eat candy. But they eat cassava. They eat pounded yam. They eat aqua. Which, when it is broken down into your body, guess what it becomes? It becomes sugar. And that's what keeps their blood sugars elevated. It's not candy. It's not sugary drinks. But if you don't know that, how do you create communications that actually appeals to that audience and gets a very specific message across that actually makes them pay attention to you? Hey, I know this episode is so juicy and you can't wait to get back. But I wanted to stop by and let you know that if you own your own health business and you're a high-level health professional, but you're struggling to make consistent revenue, then I've got a better, more proven way where you can make the money you want to make while achieving the impact you know deep down inside you can have. You got the business started and achieved a lot in your professional career, but now it feels like you're barely making it and you urgently want to find a more effective way to make more money while improving the health of your community. Now, what if I told you that I can teach you how to go from barely making it to going after six and seven figure health contracts in less than 30 days? Yes, you heard me right. The Health Contract Bootcamp is where high-level and motivated health professional women come together live for four weeks, and we dig deep into how to build a powerful health business that the government wants to throw hundreds of thousands and even millions of dollars at. I'll be teaching you step-by-step my winning formula for going after government health contracts. Now, these are the same strategies that I have used to win over half a million in contracts in less than 90 days. Not to mention... These contracts have allowed me to influence government officials directly and transform programs and policies around health disparities. I guarantee that you'll have everything you need to go after your first health contract in less than four weeks with our dedicated team helping you all along the way. So make sure you stay till the end of the episode for a one-time special offer from us. Now back to the show. That was the same thing that was going on with COVID-19. How do you tell a Hispanic immigrant or an African immigrant who makes, doesn't make a lot of money, who lives in a multi-generational household with like 7 to 12 people all the time? What does social distancing mean to them? What does social distancing mean to them? Let's be real. So that's where I have an issue with where all the money was spent for COVID-19. Did the people who have the experience and and the perception and the perspective to really make that money effective, were we at the table? And we weren't. Let's be real. We weren't. Us. You and me. Us. We were not there because even in my capacity as a business owner, I'm in the game. But I know I could do so much more if I had a bigger team. We could tackle more contracts, get more things There was so much being thrown out there, so much money, but it wasn't going into the hands of those who could actually reach the people that needed to hear it and needed to utilize those resources. 
So that brings me to my lesson for today. Listening is the number one skill that you are going to need to adopt if you are going to truly climb to the highest seat in health. If you tell me that, hey, Ogo, I'm in healthcare and I want to make a difference and I want to make a lot of money while I'm making a difference. And I'm going to tell you, great, take those degrees, take that experience, put it into government health contracting, become a government health contractor and start to go after these opportunities. But if you're going to be able to do that, the number one thing you have to start doing is listening. What does our government want? What are they prioritizing? What is the biggest issues that they need to solve? And I can get in front of it because I have the perspective. When I bid on contracts, guess what I talk about? I talk about my experience and I talk about my perspective. I talk about being an immigrant. I talk about being a statistic, being one of those mothers who develop preeclampsia And literally, if I had not realized what was going on and brought myself back to the hospital, I would have literally, literally died. I was one of those who developed pulmonary embolisms in both of my lungs. Literally, where it's like, if you don't get on these blood thinners like now, I don't know what will happen tomorrow. I talk about those things. I talk about how we can go from being asymptomatic to literally... Like that, a flip of a switch as a black African mother who just gave birth to a child. I talk about these experiences because that perspective helps our policymakers and the program managers who are putting these contracts out there. It helps them know that, oh man, this government health contractor is not just a government health contractor. This is someone that comes to the table with a deeper level of experience and understanding that will really change the narrative for the communities they're serving. That's what the government wants, but we're not paying attention. You want to know why? You are spending too much time on social media. And when I'm saying this, I'm talking to myself too, because I fall into that trap sometimes. We are not paying attention to when the government publishes things. The Biden administration has published a lot about their strategic priorities. Can you tell me what the health priorities are for for the 2023-2024 fiscal year? You're a health professional, right? You should know that, right? Shouldn't you? I think you should. Because that's where the money's getting spent this year. Well, technically, we're what? This is what, August 2023? The government, the federal government fiscal year ends in September. We're almost done the fiscal year. Do you know where all the money was spent this year? I do, because I've been paying attention to it. Have you been listening? Have you been reading? If we say we're really going to make change happen, We got to get out of the worker bee mindset. The worker bee mindset is do my job, collect a paycheck, and go home. Too many of us have been doing that for too long. Then we turn around and we complain when we realize the health system ain't working for us. Why is it so hard for us to get the things that we need? Oh my gosh, the insurance companies. Oh my gosh, regulators. Oh my gosh, policymakers. They have given you ample opportunity to get into the game and participate. I never said getting into the game was 
a walk in the park. I never said it was easy. I never said it was it was just going to be like, Phew, here you go. They're not handing out money laissez-faire. But if we as health professionals are putting in all this time into studying and getting these degrees and calling this accomplishments, or these are, are our accolades, our achievements, all right, cool. What systemic change have you made since you became that health administrator or that professional or that doctor or that nurse, that nurse practitioner, that, that CNA, that LPN? Oh, let me just let me just squash all the beliefs in your mind right now. There are government health contractors who have no degrees making far more than the MDs that we are admiring. And this is no shade to anyone. If you hear the aggression in my voice, it's not because I'm trying to be shady or I'm trying to make anyone feel less than or any. No, I'm trying to let you know that unlike what others want us to believe and how they want us to be pinned against each other, nurses against doctors, nurses against the CNA, in government health contracting, it's a level playing field. The determinant of how far you go is how much you listen and how quickly you apply what you heard. So that's why I say you need to hurry up, take those degrees and take that experience and take that perspective. Dump it into that government health contracting position that you're going after. And start taking up market share. Literally. And that's what I love about it because it gives us all actually an equitable opportunity to be change makers, not to mention we can make a ton of money while doing it. The government spends billions and trillions on health every single year. Don't, don't let the fear mongers get you when they say they're cutting programs, they're cutting this, they're cutting that, they're cutting every year something gets cut. Let's be real, because tax dollars have to be allocated based on what the priorities are. But if you're a good listener, guess what you're going to do? I'm going to pay attention to what those priorities are. I'm going to focus on that, and I'm going to follow the money. Because the government doesn't like to reduce their budgets. They, it sounds like, oh, we don't have as much money in this program anymore. Overall, the government doesn't like to reduce their budget. They reallocate. They move money around. Smart people like us, like you and me, because we're now becoming government health contractors, we're going to follow the money. We're not going to get scared. We're going to follow the money. So anyways, I've said a lot today, but I think the number one takeaway is listening is your greatest asset. Government health contracting is a level playing field that allows you to actually achieve equitable socioeconomic upliftment not to mention health transformation for your communities. And lastly, man, we are the most well-positioned people in this, in this country, on this globe, to really take advantage of these opportunities, transform health, and build wealth. So I'm going to leave you with that, and I'll see you on the next episode. Well, leaders, that's it for today's episode. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show, connect with me on Instagram at healthleadher. 
or you can follow me directly at Coach Ogo on IG or Ogo Akwenme on LinkedIn. And I'd be so honored if you go ahead and hit that subscribe button and leave me a review. Until next time.